All right, welcome back to the show. And this week it gives me great pleasure indeed um, to have on a man that needs no introduction whatsoever, uh, the one, the only, BG. BG, how are you, mate? Thanks for helping us out. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you for the uh, thank you for that intro. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even know what I'm doing at Zen anymore at this point. The math is still is still fun, and um, I get to be uh, a little bit of a pain in everybody's ass. So uh, <laughs> that keeps me entertained at least. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, a little bit of a pain and and somewhat of a guardian angel at times. I think um, I refer mm-hmm. to the yeah. uh, you know the. The times I've seen just stuff you've published has really moved the needle, you know, like even when the new meta came out and you were like, hey, these breeds aren't aren't changing the performance of horses properly. Um, and you yeah. don't talk, you talk with data, right? Like, which is Yeah, yeah. And there's always a kind of dual purpose to when I do stuff like that. Like one, like one purpose is, oh, this seems weird and maybe it's worth more investigation and, and, you know, what do you think of this Ed or what do you think of this shady or whoever else looking is looking at data. Um, and then the other purpose is like, I could be wrong. And someone might say like, oh, I see, I actually do see a trend here. Um, and, um, and so that it's a way for me to, you know, hone my data pipeline. Um, and, and that's worked. Uh, I mean, both, both outcomes have happened multiple times, right? Like sometimes that is like, oh yes, I'm the broke or um, sometimes somebody points out um, something I missed. So, uh, you know, satisfies both purposes. Yeah. Nice. So just crowdsourcing constant improvement, which is one of the beautiful uses yeah, of the internet yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, like BG, let, let's, let's all kind of get to know you a little bit. I think like, how did you get turned on sure. to Zed and how long have you been in the ecosystem? And um, yeah. I don't, like, I don't think I even know your stable. Do you race? I'm sure you do. I have a bunch of stables and they're mostly filled with donkeys and um, not doing a lot of racing nowadays. Um, mostly because my, because of my day job keeps me super busy lately. Um, and um, yeah, I've always, you know, it's, it's probably an open secret, but um, I don't really want people making decisions on, on what I do or, you know, what horses I buy or make offers on so <laughs> it's, not, it's not a huge secret but i yeah generally don't don't uh talk about my actual stables because they're i mean they're honestly there's been no movement in months and months on them so they're pretty boring um but yeah what got me into it was um I have a weekly uh, when the pandemic started uh started a weekly online poker night with a bunch of friends and we all get on zoom and and play attorney on uh poker stars um uh, just like the home games um and um you know poker draws people who like to gamble and we got to talking about um betting on horses and whatnot and somebody said oh you know there must exist uh and there's some crypto aficionados in that group as well so somebody said you know oh you know horse horse racing or horse betting must exist on a blockchain somewhere um and then then i think that night we found zed and it was like way early on um and um i think uh this is back when uh, i mean i could probably find you an exact date if i just look at my code here um let me expecting see. nothing less from this session <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um god i'm just trying to remember what i would have called it um let me see 
Let me see what I got. This is, is back in 2020, like real, real early days. I think it was early 2021. I, I, that's that's okay, what yeah. I remember. But let me see if I can give you an actual date. Uh, earliest earliest uh, code I see is, well, I guess this would be the last time I modified this file. And that was uh, April 2021. Um, but there was some stuff before that because I, uh, when the Matic beta for OpenSea came out, I was trying to buy a horse and there was su- there was such low volume that like if a horse was good, it just got snatched up immediately. Um, and I don't think anyone was botting OpenSea at that point. So it was like people would write like little scripts to like text them if a new horse came up or something. Um, so I wrote some code to do that and um, managed to buy a Jenny that was just an absolute donkey. Um, just probably like, it has to be one of the worst 10 horses in the game. Um, and, um, <laughs> maybe there'll be a use for it someday, but I don't really care. You know what I mean? That's what got me, got me into straight into, into the uh, game. Straight yeah. into Royd, Royd Rage's museum yep. of donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, and then I just started looking at the math and looking at all of like what data was available. Um, wrote a bunch of code, uh, to scrape lots of that data and have kept that mostly up to date over time. Um, I just looked this morning. It's like fifty thousand lines of code at this point, um, wow. which is which is a lot, right? Um, hunt like uh, five or six hundred hours um, working on all that code, um, and um, yeah, there's a ton of there's a a lot of it was like trying to figure out what performance metrics I could come up with that would then correlate to um, either the innate attributes of the horse or um, um, you know, figure out like reverse engineer different parts of the game. Um, actually, just the last couple of days, I've I've I wrote a like the simplest possible simulator for a game like Zed. Um, so taking into account what we know about Zed, like what's the simplest possible way to implement a racing algorithm that I think works identically to Zed's does, and and the difference being. You know, we don't know the coefficients that Zed uses, but it's it's my guess at exactly how it works. And then um, simulated a ton of races from that, and then just looked at how the how does that data look versus how the Zed data looks as a way to kind of see like, well, did I figure it out or not? And it looks pretty dang close at this point, so I'm um, pretty. Well, I, I think it's fairly accurate. So I'll release that at some point. And is that? Something similar to, I guess, Zed Sim with like running Monte Carlo simulations and those kind of things. It is, except I. So I think I think Zed um, is like it comes at it from a pragmatic point of view. I don't think he really cares how Zed's underlying algorithm works, um, as long as the results he can give people um, are useful. Right, like as long as they're positive expected value, if you use them, I don't think he necessarily cares how Zed works under the hood, and that's an oversimplification because I know he he does care, but I don't think he is obsessed with exactly how the algorithm works, which is kind of what I have been trying to figure out. Um, there's there's a, I think a lot of um, there's varied opinions on how distance preference works and is applied, for example, um, and um, I kind of wanted to know like exactly how it worked or to put another way, 
if you wrote a simulator, given how I think it works, does it spit out the same data that we see empirically within Zed? Um, and that's been a big, um, something I've been trying to work on for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So you, you mentioned a few things there, like, <clears throat> which seem, um, clearly like second nature to you and the way you kind of talk about stuff, like, you know, scraping the code, grabbing the data and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me on the outside, I've, I've always kind of sat back and I'm like, okay, well, what does that actually mean when you talk about this stuff? So yeah, this data yeah. set that you publish, like, can you talk a little bit about like, where are you getting that data? Are you hitting the Z API? Yeah. Are you getting it off the chain? Like, how does that work? How are you getting that data? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so initially, I, like the very first thing I ever did was look at what data is available on chain within Zed. Um, and there's a lot less than you might expect. And it's not always authoritative, which is um, funny for, for a Web3 game. But um, so, for example, um, when, they, when Zed started out, the horse name was, in, um, was on, on chain. And now it's no longer, right? Because you can... Um, like if it was an offensive name or like it was a jet yeah. with just like a weird, weird data issue in the name, they'll change that in the API and they won't necessarily go back and change it on chain. Um, so there's, there's a discrepancy between the on chain data and the API data, which I mean, I think in Zed, because it's a game, people care less maybe, but like if this was just like an, a, like a art NFT or something and the chain said one thing and like what showed up in OpenSea said another thing, um, I think people would care more, but you know, it's hard to have that like immutability or um, mm-hmm. like that that uh, strict Web three ethos within a game because games have to change and grow and and um, actually meet the demands of the players. Which so Zed defines himself in a in a hard spot because of that. So, um, so for, that's an aside. The, yeah. So for the non nerds above us, I was going to say for the non nerds listening, immutability is a fancy nerd word for can't change it. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, and, and so, right. So there's, there's like a few things that are on chain. Um, and you can't even necessarily rely on those entirely. Um, mm-hmm. because, um, uh, there was one horse that had the breed different. So like it was Genesis in, uh, the API and it was legendary on chain. Um, oh, wow. I have no idea how that happened, but they eventually fixed it um, to make it legendary on the API as well. Um, so there's been interesting data things I've uncovered. Colors, there were some variants of the color names that were misspelled um, that showed up early on. Um, and I think that was like an encoding issue. Um, there's also uh, one that just like has a typo in it, like it's a one-off with a typo in it. Um, and, um, yeah, so there's been, been interesting things. There's also due to the way blockchains work, um, there's a thing called reorgs, which, um, this is slightly technical, but, um, a block reorg can change the order of transactions at some point after the fact, right? So like you breed a horse in Zed, um, and, uh, you know, within a minute or two, those blocks can still be reorged um, so that mm-hmm. the transactions happen in a different order or the transaction happens in a different block. And um, this doesn't happen frequently. It, it is like 
you know, some like back in the day it was happening maybe tens of like 10, 20 times a day in Polygon. I think they, they just did some work to make it happen less. But the, the net effect is that a horse can change gender within that one to two minute period. And that happened. Um, and oh, the wow. reason is because the, the gender of a horse in Z is uh, modulo two of the block hash of the preceding block, I think. And um, if that block hash changes because it gets reorged and the order changes or different transactions make it in, um, and then you get a different block modulus uh, yeah. and the, the gender can flip. And so that's so they, why they're oh, using the crypto of the chain to determine some of the attributes of the horse. It's fascinating to me. I, yep. would, I would have thought yeah, yeah. generated centrally in the Z algorithms. And then the way I always thought it works is just write out to the blockchain what you've generated internally. Um, they do that for everything but the gender and the color. Um, okay. And yeah. So like it mostly works like that. And, and this used to be problematic because. Um, there's uh, there are many exploits in Web three. Well, let me finish the story first. So, um, so this this is the reason that when you breed a horse, it doesn't show up immediately. Zed holds it back until after that reorg time limit is done, and then they show you the horse because they don't want to they don't want to show it to you immediately, and it's a female, and then the blocks get reorged, and then you come back two minutes later, and it's male. <laughs> um, and so that's that's why there's a delay. So Twitter would be so okay with that. BG. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it depends on who has the premium, right? Because there, there's been different premiums on, on, on different genders of horses within at a different time. Um, and uh, yeah, um, so like, yeah, if you have a male and you end up female, um, like maybe that's a, 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 a good outcome for some people. But but yeah, no, I've had people who have come to me um, later and said like, yo, this weird thing happened. And then I've been able to kind of go back and look and say like, oh, yeah, that got re um, so Zed's response to this was you have to add a delay, right? So your your horse shows up two minutes after you breed it now. And that's to solve that kind of, um, uh, uh, what is it? Um, eventually consistent um, Kind of like a race, of, a race condition on the yeah. blockchain, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of, yes. Um, and so like um, you, you bring up a good point around like using properties of the chain itself as random input um, to um, mm. the attributes of the horse, right? Um, so uh, you used to be able to influence um, if you were technically capable, the gender of the horse you got um, because you can do what's called a um, uh, transact and revert. Um, so you could write a contract, for example, to breed a horse and then check the resulting gender of that horse. And if you didn't like what you got, you could then just revert the whole transaction. Um, so if you wanted only males or only females, um, you could guarantee that. You would either get a female or nothing if you used a contract like that. Um, and now, uh, so Zed fixed that um, years ago at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But that, that that's a danger of using um, the block hash um, as input to randomness and people always find those things and exploit them. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. So the other thing that you've kind of often talked about, people talk about a lot is this doing things like submitting races directly on chain. Um, mm -hmm. is that, can you talk me through how that's possible? Cause again, 
my understanding is a lot of this stuff needs to run server side on Z, right? Or like, how does that yeah, racing yeah. entry work? Like, so, um, yeah, there's multiple multiple ways, right? Because free races have um, th- that's an API called Z, so they have more control over that. Um, mm-hmm. But if but the paid racing is just a contract, and you can transact with that contract through Zed's website, or you can do it directly. Um, and they have a backend service that's running, that's watching for contract entries. And that service um, historically has not cared if it came from the Zed website using MetaMask or whether it came from code that somebody wrote. Um, so all it sees is somebody entered this race on the chain. Um, and it doesn't care whether it's from MetaMask or whether it's from code. Um, and what they have recently done, like in the last month, is um, they've changed the racing contract to require another signature. And that signature comes from an API. And so they've basically required you to use the API to um, enter uh, on-chain paid races as well. Um, And that lets them do an additional layer of checking on, uh, for example, does the horse being entered match the conditional requirements for the race? Because the mm-hmm. like, there are many things that are not on chain as far as the racing contract goes. For example, the concept of class. You can enter uh, any horse into any race in any class if it's a paid race. Um, so, like, you could race a class one horse in a class six race. There's nothing on the chain to prevent that. And so that w- I have to assume that was one of the drivers for adding that additional signature. Um, yeah. And um, anecdotally i don't think all of those checks are in place yet so i think you can still get that signature um and enter the wrong class race um so there's there's some work to be done there um but you know crucially people notice those and they alert zed so it's not like you can do it with impunity um people will notice like why the hell is this you know class one horse in my race or why is this 1.0 1.0 horse in a 2.0 conditional and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's certainly not widespread, but I've seen people um, kind of slip up and enter the horse in the wrong race. And that's kind of a tell that they're going outside of, of Zed's website. Yeah. I've seen a 1.0 in a, in a conditional before. And I saw mm-hmm. someone call it out on Twitter as well. It's interesting. Yeah. Fascinating, yeah. Actually. Yep. Um, yep. So I guess the next logical step from that is that like this is there's obviously you know everyone's still botting um, in race entry like and it's still obviously a, a common thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's super common. Like, if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably fewer than twenty people. Um, and mm-hmm. I think the ones who have been like where you can tell they're doing it, you know what I mean? Um, yep. Like I think they've largely stopped because the repercussions or the consequences from Zed have been like slowly going up, right? Like a weak ban or um, so. So like people stopped are finding or, it, or um, gotten better at it. <laughs> well, the, and that's that's the crucial thing. Where I had a tweet yeah. where I said people like if if you can't tell if it's human or not, then why should you care? Um, and the you know, Zed Turing test, fantastic. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, like, if, if, if you're looking at a horse's racing history and it looks like a human racing that horse, then should you care if it was actually a bot or not? And the people who think you should care are like, well, you know, it's not an equal playing field because I have to spend my 
time out of my day to race my horse and they're just um, having a bot do it. Um, and I don't know, if, I don't like, I don't, that argument doesn't sway me. I get it. And I get that people um, want an even playing field. So like the, the, you know, people who make this argument are like, well, if Zed just gave everyone the tools to do that, it would be, it would be fine. Um, but I think that's maybe, I've kind of, I find that at odds with this whole web three mentality where um, there's this idea of decentralization that comes into play. And so like, if you can, and Zed is going to sign the API request and they're going to let you um, submit it to the racing contract, then it's kind of on you to, to either level up or spend your time racing if you don't want to write the code. Yeah, that's a, I, I think it's one of those, I think I can see both sides of that argument. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I definitely. can definitely see both sides. I just, I think I'm slightly more biased towards the, um, if you can't tell, then, then how does it matter? It's it's like there's it's really like they're complaining about unfairness in terms of time spent um, more than anything else at this point. Yeah, and it's interesting because the unfairness in terms of time spent is that a real TCO because it's a lot of time that goes into building and managing that code base. Yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There are some people who write bots who uh, I'm kind of um, you know I talk to them and. Um, they kind of keep me apprised of like what they're, what they're doing or like what, you know, if things break and like, it's a lot of time. And so like I recently mm-hmm. I've asked him like, what's your ROI on this? Um, and, and it's basically nothing. Like there, 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 there are people who are um, basically racing like a human would, who are now no longer, they, they basically turned off their bots because there's not, they're not making any ROI. Um, and that is really interesting to me. Mm. Um because, because I think Zed would see that as a win, wouldn't they? Like that statement, that that single statement. Mm. The flip side of it is, if you can't analyze every race and find an edge, even a little edge, uh, in an automated fashion, with all of the Zed data at your fingertips, then who can? Um, and so, is it like, are we at such an equality of outcomes that? Uh, it's essentially random or you're, you know, people can get to break even and not find much edge. Um, and then, and then I can hear Zed's argument around like, well, this is the reason they want to get the Jennies and the 1.0s aged out of the game is because they're so different that they kind of mop up all of the profits um, because they have such outlier stats. Um, and that is, um, you know, I think that's why we're seeing, aging being so imminent and so important to that plan. Yeah. Let's stick a pin in that. I've got a question later on to talk about cool. some, yeah, of, some of the things that you're, you're looking in the, in the code base. Um, but before <laughs> we get there, um, one of the things that I saw you mention on Twitter was like, you're going to keep telling us about variants until we get it. So, mm, so yeah. let's, let's start there. <laughs> what, what is variance? Yeah. And let, let's let's have a lesson in. I guess we're going to have a lesson in statistics, right? Right, and and it's probably going to be hard because I'm not a statistician, and and I've and that's one of one of the reasons I really like playing with Zed is because I've had to learn a lot of statistics that was missing from my you know previous education. Um, so yeah, like I, I anything where I feel like I'm hundred percent got it and understood everything that gets boring. So there, there's a lot of opportunities to learn within Zed. So I enjoy it for that reason. Um, but to, I mean, talking about variance is also hard because um, there's an attribute of the horse called variance. 
Um, mm-hmm. And there's also the general statistical idea of variance. Um, and what people don't understand is that um, given a random process, you can still see um, very long streaks. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that anything has changed. And it doesn't mean that things are unfair. It's just an outcome of a random process um, happening over the course of many times. And so you might have a great horse um, that loses its first 20 races uh, and then goes on to have a streak of uh, much better outcomes. Um, And it's not because anything changed with the horse. It can sometimes be a change in competition. But even if you held the competition, um, like even if if you just race the same 12 horses 50 times, you might see streaks that look um, surprising, uh, but they're just an outcome of a simple random process. And, the, and one of the ways this came up recently was superbreeds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if there's, I, I can't remember what we currently think the superbreed chance is, but just for example, if you look at um, 0.1, uh, you know, if you, if you give it a 0.1% chance, or if you give it a 1% chance, one in a hundred, um, you still might go a thousand tries and not see it, even though on average it's going to converge to uh, every hundred or so. Uh, but like you might see two in a row, you might see none for 2000. And that is just a consequence of a truly random process where you're generating a random number. You're saying, is it the number 100? If not, no super breed. And you might get two hundreds in a row. Um, and so that that's really what I'm, I'm talking about when I when I talk about people not understanding variants. It's just uh, there, there was a big conversation, like massive, like days long conversation in the Zed Discord around um, if a horse has just had a super breed, should you not breed with that horse because you're going to have a lower chance of having a super breed, um, which finally resolved correctly that like, no, you shouldn't avoid that horse because there's th- like the super breed chance does not take into account prior super breed successes for that horse. It's just yeah. the same random chance per attempt. Um, and so it's exactly, you know, the, exactly the, like, yeah, choosing lotto numbers based on what lotto numbers came up last week. Right, matter. right. Yeah, yeah. On exactly average, over many, 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 many lotteries, like it is um, statistically looking in hindsight, not often that that happens just because the pool of potential numbers is so large, right? But it, mm-hmm. you have the, like they all have the same chance of coming up. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it's um, you're. It doesn't make sense from a from a gambling point of view um, to to avoid certain numbers because they just came up because they all have the same chance. It's just over long runs, you know, the trends converge to yeah. And I could give you an example and give the listeners, I guess, an example in my own stable at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a horse that's on a a massive streak, right? Um, unfortunately mm-hmm. for me, that streak is on the downside. Um, oh no! I got I got like a, a ninety four variance horse in C four that has been winning at twenty percent clip um, in two thousand meters, and its streak is so bad now over about I think of the three hundred and fifty races total races in mm. two point Its winning percent has dropped from twenty to sixteen. Um, mm, it hasn't mm, run hasn't mm. won a race in so long. So should I be yeah. now? Interestingly enough, like should I be going? well, this thing's about to go on a tear and keep racing it, or do I just park <laughs> this horse? <laughs> yeah, same, so that's, same, that's outcome, actually, right? same conversation. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because there's a number of things at play here. Because you're looking at, um, 
Okay, so what? Uh, so how many wins did it have? Okay, so is it is the streak three hundred and fifty races long, or is that the total number of races for the horse? That's its total number of two point oh races. It's had about fifteen hundred okay, okay. races all up. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So uh, one win out of three hundred and fifty races would raise your win percentage by 0.28%. Um, so to go from 20, okay, so so uh, let's do four divided by that. Uh, let's see. Uh, I messed up my math. Four, 14. So you're, you're, you're kind of like at 14 wins under par, um, which makes me think, um, like at that point, I would look at, like, and that's totally like, you might see that, right? Like 14 is not a huge, um, like if those were going to be, um, kind of randomly distributed through, through 350 races, that's like a win every 25 races or so. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can imagine that just based on variance, you might see streaks this long, um, without a win. Um, and I think that's true. And, but then the thing you also want to look at, which none of the tools really make easy at this point is, what are the attributes of the horses you're competing against and have those changed? Um, and there's a tool I wrote um, that's pretty janky, but on a week basis, it shows you the mean of the um, BA variance and DP for all of the competition you faced in that week um, and, and wow. your own win rate as the fourth, that tool? fourth line. Uh, it just lives on my hard drive. People like <laughs> it is my. Um, it is the chart I send to people when they say, did Zed rug my horse? Um, okay. Because it makes it very clear that um, like when your win rate is high, the attributes, like the average attributes of the horses you're facing is lower. It, it's like totally inversely correlated. Uh, and, it, yeah. and it makes a ton of sense. And I've, I've really wanted to like make this a, a tool that can be online. Um, my current data pipeline is always a week out of date because I just updated on Sundays. Um, and, um, so it would require a lot of retooling to make it, to make it real time and whatnot. Um, so, and so that's why it's kind of a, uh, it works great at yeah, hindsight, but, and uh, that retooling it, needs, needs access, right? Like, well, yeah, I have the access. Um, but, um, even, even still, they've kind of been, they've been changing the, the rates a little bit. I don't think that really that's not the that's not the problem the problem is just time in my day to rewrite a bunch of code to be real time instead of um yep. batch based um so that's really all it is but but like it like you'll see like on a week basis like okay you are winning at this clip and um the next week you faced horses that were way higher in average variance and your win rate went down as a result so it it does kind of help make sense of of that, and then the the really the only change I think is instead of grouping it by week, I would do a rolling average, like a window of the last ten races or something. Because I think you would see um, some horses are bursty or they don't have a ton of data um, for some weeks, and so it's it's just a more discontinuous um, uh, chart. But you, um, you touched on something there that's like I, I've always been. This is been at the edge of my brain for a while is to try and get a real definitive answer on this. So I think you're the perfect person to ask. Um, across all the tools and, you know, in our own research and stuff, what's a good sample size of 
races for a horse. Mm. Like how many races mm. should we have before we go, okay, cool, this horse has been discovered and I can start to trust the, the patterns yeah. that we might be observing. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because nothing is really held constant unless you're racing the same 12 horses over and over again. You know what I mean? Like the competition changes on a daily and a weekly basis based on what events are running, based on the composition of, um, you know, uh, racing formats, um, you know, that activates and deactivates some horses as people kind of switch to horses that do better or, or not in those formats. Um, and so it's really hard. And, and like, really the answer is, um, even if you have a thousand races from two months ago, like, I don't know if you can um, really rely on your averages from those races if things have changed in Zed and or different horses are now racing. And it's just, I think it's going to get even harder with um, aging um, because we're going to age out horses and those are going to be replaced with new horses. So competition is going to be continually changing. And that's where a tool that kind of shows you how you're doing against the averages and how you're doing against specific archetypes um, is, is going to help. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard. Like you want, you want more, you want more races always <laughs> to really be able to say anything with, with kind of statistical accuracy. Uh, and there's some, there are some ways to get to a higher degree of certainty. Um, and that's, for example, if you race, um, if you are uh, heads up against a horse a bunch of times, not necessarily in a 1v1 race, but um, if you have lots of data against a certain horse in a 12-horse race or something, um, you can kind of start to understand how those horses um, are relatively to each other um, in terms of performance. Um, and I, I want to take that to its logical conclusion and look at every 1v1 pairing between every horse and every race. Um, so you can kind of look at horses differentially um and that that's like a massive graph search problem though um and so <laughs> i'm not there yet but i like that's that's a thing that i've played with a bunch of times and, and um most of the solutions i've come up with are too slow um well, that's very very cartesian joiny isn't it like yeah yeah totally totally yeah, yeah right it's like yeah what every you know there's there's uh however you know the hundreds of thousands of horses and they've probably each raced um thousands of horses um themselves uh and so it's like it it looked like if you grafted it would look like a giant hairball um and um yeah so it's it's hard to kind of get one just like the the data structure to hold all that and there's graph databases like neo4j and, and whatnot uh, who kind of excel at that but even so like the number of links in that database is just absolutely massive yep and growing all the time with the brain mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everything that goes yeah on. and you can uh, you know, Dan Chan has a pretty simple and effective solution, which is like, just look at the last 90 days. Um, and you know, that excludes horses who raced, um, last year and then stopped. And so you kind of, uh, you're maybe excluding some gems that have just been deactivated because people didn't like them or they got busy or whatever. So not a great market research tool, but it is a good way to figure out like, should I race this, Current. keep racing this horse or like, you know. It, it did the comp change and yeah so that, that's one answer there yeah nice so we we kind of covered i guess variants from a conversation piece um mm -hmm. and let's sort of let's walk up to the third rail from this week um obviously the 
the discussion on Twitter around distance preference. Um, mm -hmm. And before we get in there, like, what is distance preference in a horse? How does that how does yeah. that work? Yeah. So I mean, I think that's um, I can tell you how I think about it, which is which is similar to how I think a lot of people think about it, but maybe not identical. So how I think about it is it's distance preference is one number. Uh, it can be negative or positive and it's bounded um, or, or it's, it's unbounded. Um, so like uh, it really just depends on the numbers you choose to represent it. I don't know. And I think nobody knows what numbers Zed actually uses to represent this internally. Right. It could be negative 100 to positive 100. It can be negative one to positive one. Uh, but I do think it is roughly symmetrical around zero. Um, and okay. so those, uh, and, and uh, the other crucial part in the way that I think about it is um, 1600 is the middle distance um, as far as how distance preference is applied. Um, and I, th I think I wrote out, you know, my example equation for it, which is um, the distance from 1600 uh, times some coefficient, right? And we don't really know what the coefficient is. We can maybe guess based on statistical analysis. Um, but crucially, it means that at 1600, that multiplier is zero. Um, so it's zero times whatever coefficient exists for distance preference. Meaning if you have a horse that has a ton of distance preference and does greater than a thousand, um, none of that distance preference is going to apply at 1600. Um, and I think we've seen enough examples um, that... Uh, this is like one of the few things that I would like, you know, if, if Zed would actually tell us the answer, um, I would, you know, put five grand down on, on that bet tomorrow. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of the things that I'm, I'm I, as certain as I can be of within, within Zed, um, which, which has some interesting implications because there are more marathon distances further from 1600 than there are sprinter distances. Um, so there's there's more room to play on the on the marathon side, um, but um, given uh, it, and it also means that um, there is no um, idea of preferred distance. It's just where are you racing, for, uh, like where is your competition um, that you can win against? And what happens naturally is that if you do well in one thousand because you have a ton of short distance preference which is just a synonym for if you're if your one distance preference number is more negative so like look at the crimson chin which is like probably the most uh you know it, it's at negative 100 if if you know those are the limits um it's going to do great there um and less of that distance preference applies at uh 1200 and 1400 um and so um it still has a huge number and so maybe it still does very well there uh, given that distance reference is a smaller portion of total performance at those distances. But um, for example, if you have uh, a horse that is like uh, on this negative 100 to positive 100 scale, maybe it's negative 50. So it has half the sprint distance preference of Crimson Chin. Um, it's probably not going to do very well running at 1000 against horses like the Crimson Chin, right? So it's going to mm -hmm. probably find more success in 1200 and 1400. Um, and then the consequence of that is that those horses self-select into those races 
And then people are uh, will kind of say, oh, well, I win more at 1400 and therefore it is my quote unquote preferred distance. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's like a semantic argument. Um, it's just where you're going to face competition that has distance preference like yours and win more. Um, and um, so, you know, I, I, I struggled a lot initially with distance preference and, um, uh, you know, your, like the quote unquote off distance um, phenomenon or like down, down buttons. Um, but because until you, until you kind of come up with the hypothesis, it's not easy to look for in the data. But once you um, come up with this idea that like, okay, um, like there's two extremes for distance preference. And if it's short, you like you get more of it at a thousand, um, then um, the inverse can be true in that you get less of it at 2,600. And so that became the, that down, uh, you know, people would race at the extreme off distance for their horse and yep. that became their down button. So you could down class very easily, um, which was a boon to those high distance preference horses, whether it was short or long. Um, and which, you know, became something Zed had to address eventually. Uh, by means of this up only XP progression. Uh, so there's no going down in classes anymore. And it's largely because there was that loophole. Um, and, um, you know, that gets into like this, this idea of um, variance horses being negative, uh, negatively affected by the, um, what was it like plus, plus five negative or plus 12, negative five uh, points. I don't remember the actual points, but it basically offset that you, one more points for a first than you lost for a 12th. Yep. So those horses would only move upwards, um, whereas they were neutral before, so they could kind of stay in a given class. Um, yeah, my my yeah. various so the, horse that landed in C4 at the end, like I couldn't keep it below C3 mm, in the old map mm, because it, yeah, it yeah. runs top 5% speed across every funnel. <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. try and down class and one race it gets a roll and comes in first. And yep. Then, yeah, fuck it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. Yeah. And, and so then, so then um, we have this, you know, idea from last week around like the leveling calculation. I think it only weights variance around 5%. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that seems super low. Um, right. Um, and so those horses um, with super high variance can can start at a lower level and thus face worse competition than a horse like Crimson Chin, which uh, has outlier distance reference and gets leveled up. And and you know depending on who you talk to, that's a that can be an extreme penalty for that horse because it's facing much harder competition than it was previously. Um, and I think uh, th this is an example where I think some communication proactively from Zed would help because it really does. You know, it if like the effect on those horses and their owners is one that is it cuts into their bottom line like pretty massively. Um, yeah, so let's like let's you, probably just dial it back a bit for a second. So what what actually yeah. happened when we talk about like that and maybe explain to us like what for those of us that aren't on Twitter, um, what happened this week on Twitter between between yeah. all the all oh, yeah. players. Yeah, I mean, Twitter's Twitter's where all where everything happens in Zed, so you can't can't not be on Twitter. <laughs> I know it's, I know people are, but it always surprises me. I'm like, where, where do you where do you get your Zed news from? Um, and then and then the flip side is everybody on Zed Twitter like 
does not pay attention to the discord which is where all the announcements happen so like both 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 sets of people are like you know missing huge huge portions of the conversation which i think i'm in the i'm in the letter i can't do discord Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i'm i'm god i'm in like i'm still in like seven or eight z discords at this point um but um yeah just yeah there's there's a lot of conversations happening in, in various places so right so what happened um and and the thing that happened was not necessarily news. People people knew this, right? What happened was um, there was confirmation, uh, and what was confirmed is that um, outlier high distance preference horses, and that could be high high sprinter or high marathon, um, but just you know the extremes of either end um, were leveled up higher um, due to that outlier. Um, like it's basically due to the curves that used. Um, and the consequence is that those horses, um, were up against much tougher competition. And this was the first time Zed had said like, yes, that's what happened. Um, and I think people, um, like Keith has been trying to, um, get this addressed for a long time because, um, you know, it was a, Crimson Chain is a money-producing asset, and then it no longer is. Um, and so, there, of course, there's a desire to figure out, like, what happened? Like, is this something that can be fixed? Do I just have to wait for the next change? Um, and, you know, when money is involved, people are passionate. And so there was a lot of passionate debate around, um, you know, is this a nerf? What does nerf mean? Um you know, what actually changed? Did the attributes of the horse change or was it just the racing algorithm or the leveling algorithm? Um, and really what changed is just like what comp you're f- up against due to what your starting level was. Um, and then there's two parts to that. There's, um, if you start at a higher level, there's, you actually miss out on gains, right? Because there's, yep. um, if you if you start out at 500, um, you have a uh, hundred fewer levels to gain BA than a horse that started at 400. Um, so there's, there's this idea of, of missing potential gains. Uh, and then there's this idea of just facing much harder competition than you previously were. Um, and, and that's, I think what is impacting the um, success of these horses monetarily. Interesting. So if I can kind of, Try to rephrase that into language mm-hmm. that my brain might understand. Um, you've essentially put these high distance preference horses against horses that have essentially higher base ability and assume that the base ability will be the same. So these other horses over a large, like over time, will consistently run higher regardless of that distance preference, right? Is that Yeah, and it's and it's right? really the combination yeah, it's the combination of the three. It it's um I think was it Sharks and Ponies who came up with this idea of empty levels, um, which I think is maybe a, a more intuitive way to understand it. Um but it's basically like so if 3.0 horses can have, let's say, between negative one and positive one distance preference, and 1.0s can have between negative 10 and positive 10 distance preference. Um, there's like a, a, like those extra like nine on the short side and nine on the marathon side get um, shoved into 
a higher starting level. Um, but crucially, that horse might not have the variance or um, the BA um, that it's now facing, uh, of the competition it's now facing. Um, and so they are, quote unquote, empty levels, I've heard it kind of be described as. Um, and I think in the case of Crimson Chin, which has low variance, um, like that's exactly what's happening um, because variance is weighed so low in the um, leveling algorithm that it's facing horses with like way more variance um, mm-hmm. and potentially likely more BA as well. Because uh, BA is. Yeah, and that's, um, that's an yeah. interesting thing, right? Because if you start talking about just variance, and my first thought there was, well, wouldn't I be running that horse then in one on ones? If it's got super high DP, mm. doesn't that give me that advantage? Yeah. But then potentially the high BA, low variance horses yeah. have the advantage. And yeah, yeah, and so there's this kind of constant, constant discovery of like where you're competitive, um, and the, and and so like the the kind of controversy came around um, Pacundo saying, you know, why would we make a one off? Um, or why would we handle the outlier DP horses separately um, when, like, even a new super breed can't get DP that strong? Um, and and I think there's it kind of goes. I could see either argument. They're like, like they're like three are the way forward. Um, yep. We don't have these massive game breaking outliers, and therefore, like, you get what you get. And then I can see. Like, well, could there have been could there have been some tweak that just took into account that quote unquote extra um, DP and um, fine tuned the level, not on a one off basis, but just you know some coefficient that applied to any horse um, beyond some DP level, um, and and I can kind of see I can see either way, um, you know, like the, the it affects the future ROI of of Crimson. And maybe the resale value, but it doesn't necessarily like it still has the profits it's made, and and I think really. Um, and then does it pass down that DP in breeding? Does it still have value as a breeder? Like, is it not a? So I think it it does. It's not going to pass down. So, like for example, if it's if it's negative ten, which in our kind of model means like the most short preference you can get, it can't. It like it can't make a horse that's negative ten. Because no 3.0, even a super breed 3.0, can have negative 10 DP ever again. So there's a new high water mark, um, and like it's totally useful for getting to that new high water mark. It just can't replicate its exact DP going yeah. forward. Um, but it's, yeah, I guess but, it's but, still got to get the the breeding pull right, yeah, to get that DP yeah, off, it, yeah. off that side. And, of the and like yeah. we, yeah, we don't necessarily know um, if that and like i kind of assume that having that like for example negative 10 um is going to be easier to okay so if, let's just make the numbers concrete if if we say that negative one is the new max sprint dp you can have um and um i managed to find crimson and another horse like crimson that both have um you know, negative 10 or as close as you can get, which was the highest sprint DP you could have in a 1.0 or a Jenny. Um, I kind of imagine that breeding those two negative 10 horses is going to get you closer to a negative one or higher chance to get a negative one, which is the new maximum that you can get versus if you find two negative one horses and breed them 
um, my guess is it's going to be you're going to be further away from that new theoretical max. And so I would hope that that's the case, right? Because then Crimson does retain some um, breeding um, uh, um, ROI. Um, yes, and, and, I think and, and that's that the seems future to... for all of our one horses, right? Like that's once aging yes. comes in. Um, yeah, it's very clear they're being they're being removed from the the racing game. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so they, they, the only value they can have is, is as breeders, surely. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think like occasional, like, like if you have a 1.0 or Jenny, that's um, still capable of racing well on the track. Um, then at some point, I think when you get down, like based on the numbers I've seen, like when you get down to level six, you get like one stamina bar every four days. Um, and that's like the, the kind of max aging level. Um so, you know, after some number of years of racing, you get down to that one race every four days. And it's like, yeah, if, if those horses still want to race and they're still competitive, they're going to be in like mm. high dollar value races. And it becomes more of an more of an event, right? As those horses save up their stamina for um, those like true like degenerate gambling opportunities um, or, or, or um, uh, you know, um, Champions League tourneys or things like that. So I think there's a lot of things they can play with. Um, if we can get there, um, and, and by that, I mean, like if, if we, if the game gets to sustainability, um, and gives Zed the runway they need, um, to kind of grow the game and, um, um, keep everybody paid. (laughs) It's an interesting conundrum. Um, damn, BG, I, I've wrote out a bunch of questions that I wanted to cover, um, We've covered like 30% of them so far and we're kind of already near an hour. I got more time, so. Um. Uh, yeah, there's two two things. I, I kind of want to keep these to an hour from um, just mm-hmm. a, a consistency point of view. Um, yeah. But I, it's it's quarter past eight in the morning. Um, I've got to go and start my day. Um, okay, yeah. my day well, job and stuff well, as well. So do a lightning round or... or um... So Just one thing, most important ones are. Um, so one thing that I kind of want to finish on, and look, at some point in the future, I'd like I'd love to love to get you back on and and continue this conversation um, at yeah, some un- indiscriminate point in the future. I've really really enjoyed this, um, but the one thing I wanted to finish on is, you know, you're looking and we've touched on this. You look inside the code base. I've seen you on Twitter talk about features that you've seen identified in the code that haven't been released. So yeah. give us a bit of a give a bit of an insight. Um, what's in there? Pull out your crystal ball, the BG crystal ball. What's what's the thing that you've seen that people aren't aware of that's gonna that's gonna blow our minds? Mm, mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I don't want to judge Zed or their developers too harshly, but there's so much crap in there that like was removed from the roadmap like years ago. So like all the code for surface preference is still in there. And I think at this point, like I, I would be surprised if we ever saw it in the game. And so like some of, some of like what I find is just like stuff that's ages old. I'm like, oh, God, why don't they clean up and just delete all that if they're not going to use it, you know? So like that, that's, that's that some of the surprising things I come up with are that. And then re, uh, like two days ago, um, the aging stuff showed up, um, which actually like the, so like they had, you know, like, Whenever Zed launches a new feature, they kind of show you a modal when you log in, like, hey, you know, 
there's this new thing called uh, aging and, you know, here's how it works. And like, you know, there's like a screenshot of what it looks like. Um, so they added that and the text for that um, had said something like, oh, you know, aging might affect your future horse performance, which was like, you know, major alarm bells for me. So I actually asked Ryan and Facundo, like, what, what, what is happening here? Uh, and they're like, no, 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 no. Like some, you know, engineer that was like the example text. Um, so they confirmed, you know, I'm happy to confirm for everybody that aging does not affect racing performance. All it affects is how fastly your stamina, uh, or how quickly your stamina regenerates. It's the only thing it touches. Um, but like some of that stuff, you can see that show up in the code before it actually goes mm-hmm. live. Uh, and in some cases, like the version that I saw will never go live, right? Because it was incorrect. Um, yeah. And so there's there's times where I've spotted similar things or typos and like a DM Miguel and I'm like, yo, you got a typo here or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like you, there there is... Um, when you could actually look at the dev and the prepod versions before they locked them down, you would see stuff weeks or months ahead of time there. Um, and, and now, you know, there's maybe a weekly time. So like, I think aging is very close. Like uh, Facundo said first week of April is now his new estimate, um, which I'm disappointed because okay. it doesn't involve like, moon, moons or tides or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well it's, uh, it's uh well, uh, I, it's still the thirtieth for me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so two days, two days April for the US. Okay. Um, but, um, super imminent. But when when you say like you're looking at the code, yeah. this is obviously like the the polygon contract. Yeah. No, you no, no. That no. code. I, like, where do you see the code? No. Yeah, just the front end code. The, so, like, you load z.run, um, okay. Your browser pulls just down in, a, a ton of JavaScript. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, I've written a ton of tools to actually make it readable and to compare, you know, the version that's there today to the version that was there yesterday so that I don't have to read 10 megabytes of JavaScript at any time I want to look. I'm just looking at literally what's the difference between today and yesterday. Uh, and then things pop out like in two seconds, right? Because you're like, oh, yeah. oh, they added this thing called, um, you know, race regeneration or whatever, or race racing recovery, whatever they're calling aging now. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but I will say... Uh, there's a couple of things that I found solely based on new contracts. Um, and I'm, I mean, hopefully no one from Zed listens to this, but basically what you do is you figure out who's deploying contracts on testnet for Zed. Uh, and then you just look at any contract that they've deployed recently. And then you can kind of see like, oh, there's the um, Zed token locking contract. That's interesting. And they'll deploy 20 versions of that because um, they're testing out different things. And then you can see like, oh, it, that made it to mainnet. So I guess we're probably going to see token locking soon, um, that type of stuff. So yeah, they, I mean, it's, it the detective work is is what makes it fun. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it a hundred times again. Um, Zed, give this guy a job. <laughs> what, 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 what even on the inside of the fence, inside the yeah, tent? No, yeah, they, they offered me a job at one point and I was, uh, I was not in a position to leave my current job. Um, and um, and I've kind of poked a couple times since then. I think maybe that, you know, they've just done some layoffs and whatnot, They're, which many, to be fair, many startups, including, including, including my own have. So not, yeah. not saying ah. that's necessarily uh, not, not a dig at that. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I did, I did apply for the, the community. Stuff, so, yeah. yeah. I did apply for the community grant and um, I think I'm, I'm just too much of a pain in the ass to them. So I, I'm like, I'm not, I won't be surprised and no hard feelings if they don't want to give it to me. 
Um, but, um, but I think what I do counts, all the, all the data um, analysis and the, and the charts and the graphs and answering people's questions. I think that's probably been a net good for the game, even though, you know, I am, Unquestionably. I, I am a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's interesting, right? Like the pain in the ass side of it, um, I think becomes more apparent because ultimately anyone at Zed knows that when you talk, they kind of have to stop and listen. That's what the pain in the ass bit is. Like it's mm. that, oh, hang on, BG's <laughs> saying something. I've got to stop what well, I'm doing. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a, a non-zero chance that there is something here we've missed. Like, mm. um, yeah. And I think that's the, the pain <laughs> so, in the ass bit, which yeah. is the good bit for us, right? Yeah. An ex-employee told me there's a Slack channel specifically for my tweets and discussion of what their response should be, <laughs> which uh, nice. I'm... I'm I'm flattered by, but also, I mean, it really drives home Facundo's point that, like, I should be careful what I say, which is not to mean that I shouldn't say it, but I th- I think, you know, being uh, specific and level-headed um, helps everybody out. So, I, I you know, that, that, that was great, great feedback from him. Because, like, often what I don't, like, what happens sometimes, like, Evergreen just lost his fucking mind um, at Facundo and everybody else when that controversy happened last week which i don't want yeah. right like i like our customers at my job yell at me sometimes and i don't want to like cause that to happen to anybody else um so yeah i definitely feel for the team when stuff like this happens and just yeah i want to uh strive to be a little more level-headed just knowing that um people are going to get pissed off um if um there are changes that affect their assets happen and so um, yep. Yeah, that's that's been a been a been a learning. I've had to I had to do some learning there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing like self reflection for growth. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, BG. Look, we're we're at an hour. I'm gonna have to wrap this up. Normally, I'd say yep. to everyone, I'll see him on the track. Um, but since you won't tell me who your stables are, um, I guess <laughs> I hope I'll see you on the track. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'd really no, really love the opportunity to. Sorry, mate. No, it's been it's been my plan to to do some actually ra- some actual racing and have a public stable for a while. I don't know if I'll find the time, but uh, <laughs> if I yeah, do, I'll that's an interesting thing. Yep, yeah, cool. All right, mate. Um, as I say, I'll I'll keep in touch on Twitter. I'd love to finish this off at some point um, in the yeah, in the near future. Super appreciate your time. Um, this has been really enjoyable. I've learned a lot, and I hope everyone else does. So um, until next time, BG. Thanks for coming on, mate. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so so much for having me on.